Praise the Lord. You may be seated if you would. The Lord is good. Oh, let's say that again. The Lord's okay. No, the Lord is good, isn't he? He's amazing. Uh, I, I am really happy to be here today. I'm so glad that you're here today. If you're watching online, uh, we are praying that our internet connection works really well today. Uh, we're going to have to have an exorcism and cast the devil out of it because he keeps working, keeps going after it. But we're going we're gonna to get there. We are going to get there. Hey, I, I have the answer to all your problems. And it's kind of like algebra. People don't like algebra. They think, oh, look at all those weird-looking letters and numbers. And why do letters and numbers go together? And why do you have little ones and big ones and... Algebra is really easy. It's like, yeah, right. Now, algebra is really easy when you learn that it's just about a formula. The letters and numbers don't matter. If you know the formula, you just plug them in and solve the problem. It's the same formula every single time. And it's the same formula as what I want to talk to you about today. Would you look over at somebody and tell them, I am a child of God. Oh, come on now. I am a child of God. There you go. I like that. I want to talk to you about something. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation or a circumstance in life where you just kind of lost out on who you really are? We call that an identity crisis. You ever had an identity crisis? I have. I've had several of them in my life. Uh, one of the, I think one of the later ones is when I was finished seminary. I didn't know what to do. I, I was pastoring, and, and I was running a school, but my identity was kind of wrapped up in being a student. And then you get finished with being, coming, being a student, and then you're just an ex-student. And you wonder, what am I going to do with all of this time? And because everybody looked at you like, oh, he's going to school. Then you, then you realize, what am I going to do? I think that's why a lot of older people ask little kids what they're going to do when they grow up. It's, they're just wanting some suggestions for themselves. Uh, it's, it's interesting. An identity crisis is a period of confusion and doubt. You ever been there? Many, the Bible is replete with story after story after story after story of men and women that lost their identity, could not find who they were. Your sense of identity becomes doubt. You, you wonder who you are. David did that when uh, he... He almost lost out and was fighting with the enemy against the people he was going to lead. There are many times in Scripture where, where men and women lost their confidence in who they are. You, just, you get to that place, you just don't know who you are anymore. 
You know, maybe a lot of times uh, an identity, identity crisis happens, like, you know, like I said, when you finish a project, like going to school, and then you have to get out and get a job or whatever it is, and you're trying to find out who you are because you were a student, but now you're an employee, and, and, and difficult times in, in life. It, when, you, when you suffer loss, a, a loss of a loved one, and I, I watch that with, with couples that have been married for many years, and, and then one of them goes to be with the Lord. And, and even though you're, you're still here, it's almost like half of you is gone. And you struggle with who you are. And in that struggle, you'll try many things to try to identify with who you are now and what you're supposed to be doing and where you're supposed to be going and, and how do you relate to people because you've, if you've related to people as a couple for many, many years and now you find yourself as a, as a single person, it is difficult to define who you are. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes it comes through... Uh, at the end of a relationship or the beginning of, an, of a new one. I know a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of families, when, they're, when their children are grown, they have empty nest syndrome. You know what another word for empty nest syndrome is? Is identity crisis. You've been used to being dad or you're used to being mom or you're used to being the parents and, and now there's nobody to boss around. They're gone. And, and you say, well, that, that's a great time. It's difficult. It's difficult when your kids grow up and, and they grow up and they get married and have kids and they think they're grown. But we know better because they're always your babies. It, it, it's, it's interesting when your identity is challenged through circumstances. I think... I believe that the church in America is facing an identity crisis. When 70% of our churches have plateaued or declining in America, I think it's time for God's people to say, I think we've kind of lost our way. Because when I look at the church in the New Testament, when I look at the church when they knew who they were, when they understood who they were, when they understood their mission and their purpose, there was a zeal, there was an excitement, there was an exuberance in them, and the church began to grow. They knew who they were. This church, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that this church... It's built upon two principles of, of evangelism and missions. And, and it really, it's evangelism because missions is an outreach of evangelism. Did you know that? Because evangelism is something that we can do right here, right now. It's, it's across the street. Missions is across the world where we look at it and say, I can go across the street, but I can't drive across the world, but I can send somebody else. So missions is really an extension of evangelism. If you really want to know where the root is in our identity, if you really want to know who you are, you have to understand how Christ sees you and align with Christ and his purpose, his mission, his goal his desire, his plan for you. And when you align with him, then everything else works out. Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, and 
in, our, in the second book of Corinthians is addressing an identity crisis within the church. And he, he addresses this in this way. If you would go to that scripture, please. He said, therefore, I love the word therefore, don't you? Because you don't, when I read the word therefore, I stop and I quit reading and I start reading backward. Because everything that's going to come after is predicated upon what we just read. And if you're like me, sometimes you can read a whole chapter in a book and don't remember any of it. It's just easy. Therefore, so what, what is he talking about, therefore? What happened before that? Here's Paul. Paul, he says, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, he's a new creation. But therefore simply means, for 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 16, read this. He said, for the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ constrains us, compels us, bonds us. Because we understand that if one died for all, then all were dead. Paul is simply saying this. Here's the therefore. The reason why Christ came and died is because we were dead. Ephesians 2 tells us that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I liked what John Piper said. He says, we weren't in the doghouse with God. We were in the cemetery. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, and we had no hope of life. So Christ came, and he lived, and he died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. And that he died and that, that everybody, he rose again that all should live. Not unto themselves. Let me say that again. Not unto themselves. Not unto themselves. Not unto themselves. Christ came and he died for our sins because we were dead. He rose again so we can have life and we have life not to live it the way we please. Wow. I know that stepping on toes, that's why I wore my still-toed shoes today and I hope you have some sturdy ones on. That we should not live unto ourselves but to him which died for us and rose again. If you want to find your real identity and real purpose and real meaning in life, number one, you have to have Christ. Number two, you've got to quit trying to live for yourself and live for him. If you really want to know your purpose and meaning and passion, if you really want to know the formula of life, it's living in him. It's doing his will, his way. He rose again, wherefore we know no man. Now this is important. Know no man after the flesh. In other words, I don't know them according to this world. Not even Christ. What does that mean? When you're living for Christ, you don't see people as physical beings. You see people as eternal beings. with eternal souls that are going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. 
Paul says, I don't even see Christ as a man anymore. I see him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's, let's go back to there, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. How do you get in Christ? Well, the body is the church. The church is the body of Christ. If you want to be in Christ, you need to be in the church. And if you're in the church, that means that you have acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. You have repented of your sins. He is now your Lord and Savior, and you are dead to your old self, and you're walking with Him. Now, I know something about human nature, the body, the physical body. It doesn't want to do what I used to do. I used to love to play basketball. Now I see Sam and the guys out there playing on Friday mornings. I walk by and go, nah. Because I know when I was younger, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to fake right. I'm going to do this mean crossover. I'm going to go left and do a left-handed layup. And my body would say, okay, and I'd do it. And then you'd walk down the court. I'm so bad, so bad. But now I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fake right, and I'm going to go left, and I just fall on the floor. I, my body says, I can't do that anymore. So I quit. See, I know that, that your body is controlled by your mind and by your heart and, and by, by watching. So if I want to drive, my body's not going to get out there and drive. My, my head is going to tell me, I, I want to go out and drive. My body is obedient to what I want it to do. The church is the body of Christ. He is the head. To be fully functional in Christ, we have to be obedient to the head. Are you with me? We are in Christ. The new creation. Now, some, some interpret that creature, but I don't like the word creature because uh, it, it's kind of like creepy, creepy creatures. But creation is actually a better translation. Creation means something that never existed but now does. We are not a recreation. You have to get this. We're talking about being in Christ, are we not? The new creation. What is the new creation? Christ in you not a person that has their sins rolled ahead for a year as the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament but through the blood of Christ on the cross we have been cleansed and we are pardoned and when God looks at us he sees the righteousness of Christ he sees the holiness of Christ that's why we can walk into his very presence and worship and magnify him 
We are in Christ. We are a new creation. Never has there been a person that could walk boldly into the the presence of God since the fall of man. But now we are the children of God. We are something that has never been. Look at this. The old has gone. The old. The old has gone. What's the old? What are we talking about? We're talking about the old man. We're talking about the person we used to be before we knew Christ. That person is gone. Can I say this? Well, I was going to say this is not in the notes, but I haven't hit the notes yet anyway. So, uh, The old is gone. The adversary's biggest trick is to try to get you to carry around all of the baggage that the old person did. We'll say that again. You ever have any regrets of some of the things you did before you knew Christ? The devil wants you to make them real and fresh and alive in your life. And he wants you to keep them first and foremost so you'll keep repeating some of the same habits and and problems that you've had in the past. And the thing is, it's so heavy carrying around all your problems and all the things you used to do. And every time you try to go into the presence of God, you've got that old stinky carcass with you. Paul said the old's gone. That's why he said in Colossians that we're buried with him. That, that it's, a, it's symbolic that when we go down into that water of baptism that the old person is dying and when we walk, we arise in newness of life. The old is gone. The new is here. The new The new person. You are a new creation in Christ. Do not allow your old person, your old man, your old identity to interfere with who you are now. You are not that person. You are a new creation in Christ. And the, only, and the problem that, that sometimes we have is we try to serve God through our old identity. And we do things that lead to stagnation and, and, and pride and, and anything else that is part of the human condition. And we are not focusing on the new creation and what we're called and designed to be. Go on to the next verse, if you would. All this is from God, the old person being gone, the new person here, who reconciled us to himself. Don't you love that? God reconciled himself, us, us. Reconciled. Don't you love the word reconcile? You ever have a family dispute and you have to be the arbitrator, the reconciler? There's always one in every family that tries to get everybody to you know, get along. They're the one that try to hide all of the family skeletons in the closet. 
And then you always have that one sibling that says, no, 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 we're bringing every skeleton out and everybody's going to see them. Christ, through his blood, reconciled us. We're now in right relationship with God. Right? Now, you say, well, that isn't, all right, I know who I am, but what am I supposed to be doing? I'm so glad you asked. Because if you want to have passion and purpose in your life, you have to understand what Christ has called you to do. We are now the body of Christ. What did, the body, what did Christ do while he was on this earth? He ministered to the sick. He healed the sick. He, he blessed those. He taught those. He brought people to God. And he says he reconciled us to himself through Christ and, and, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You want to be happy in Christ? You, you want to experience joy in your life? Develop the ministry that God has given you, the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing people to a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Let's read. Let's go on. Verse 19. That God was reconciling world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Well, that's powerful, isn't it? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. It's not that we can save anyone, but we have the message of reconciliation that Christ died, Christ rose again, and you can become part of the body of Christ. You too can have your sins forgiven. You too can be granted eternal life. You too can walk in the presence of God. You too can celebrate and worship Him in, in, in beauty and holiness because you have experienced reconciliation. And we have that ministry. And I'm not going to show, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't want everybody to raise their hands because I don't want to raise mine either. But I will promise you this that the number one battle you have in your life is when people are trying to get you to, uh, when you're when you're battling to try to share the good news with somebody else and you start thinking well what if they say no or, or what, if, what if they don't like me wait a minute that's the old man talking the new, the new creation says I don't see people as people. I see people as eternal beings and they need salvation. And I am going to do everything that I can because I am the hands of God, Christ and I am the feet of Christ and I am the mouth of, and I am the one that he has given the message of reconciliation and I am going to let them know I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you find yourself in. Christ can save. Christ can redeem. And Christ can deliver. And, and, and he can bless you today and he can bless you tomorrow and he can bless you at any time that, that you need a blessing because God is, is reconciled to us and we are reconciled to God through Christ. If you want to be happy, if you want to find joy, if you want to find purpose and meaning in life, embrace this ministry 
of reconciliation. Be in the body of Christ. Allow Christ to guide and direct you. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back if they, if they would. How do we do that? How do you hear from, how, from the Lord? How do you know that the Lord is speaking to you? The Lord will speak to you in a way you understand. The Lord will, will speak to you that you will know it is the voice of the Lord. I've been in, in rooms before with a bunch of uh, young, young parents, all the kids in another room playing, you know, and... and uh, you know, and then you hear a, a cry or a scream, and you number one, you know if it's if it's a scream because they're really hurt or they're mad. Two, you know if it's your kid or somebody else's kid. Sometimes you hear a bunch of screams and parents keep on talking; Just, they don't care. But you hear that one scream that you know they're hurt, and every single parent gets up and goes because you know their voice. Jesus will speak to you in a way that you can understand. He will speak to you through his word. He will speak to you uh, if you listen to his still, small voice. He is never going to overwhelm you. He is never going to make you do anything. But I've said it so many times, it's, it's when you see that person and you feel that urge just to go talk to them. And you have that struggle. Well, I don't even know that person. Isn't that even more fun? When you don't know somebody, you just start talking to them. Because you have the ministry of reconciliation. And perhaps, just perhaps, because you are in the body of Christ, that the Lord is going to use you today to minister to somebody else, to bring them to the foot of the cross that they too can have their sins forgiven. And then a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand years from now, when we're in heaven, that person will have eternal life because you no longer looked at them as just people. You looked at them as eternal beings. And you shared the gospel and was a minister of reconciliation. There's not a greater joy in life than leading somebody to Jesus. But you can't do it through the old person. You have to let the new creation new creation.